Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 34. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. And joining me as he does every week for BGN Radio is the man behind Bleeding Green Nation. May he reign forever, Brandon Lee Galton. BLG, how you feeling, buddy? John, uh, I am doing okay. Do I have a lot of stinking juice? I don't know if I would say that about myself, <laughs> but... Uh, Lots, lots to you talk bring about. the stinking juice every week, my friend. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. So uh, let's do it. Yeah, let's get into the stinking juice, and we're going to get into some, uh, uh, some, some. We're going to basically ridicule the Saints fans for a good portion of the podcast here today, which I think everybody is on board with. Uh, we'll talk about some early thoughts about the Super Bowl and uh, about last week's games and in the conference championship games a little bit. We'll take a look at what the Eagles could do at running back uh, coming up here in 2019. But we're going to start off the show um, talking about uh, the quarterback situation. And, of course, we're not going to dig deep into the into the Philly voice Carson Wentz story because, Brandon, you really detailed, I think, all the finer points of that story on Monday with our emergency podcast. But, obviously, a, a few days have gone since, since you recorded that episode. I think we've seen some more teammates chime in in support of Carson Wentz. Um, I do find it interesting. We haven't heard from Nick Foles at all yet, but I don't. I'm not reading into anything there. You know, it's just possible he doesn't feel comfortable commenting on something like this. But it, I, it is interesting, as you mentioned, who has chimed in and who who has not chimed in so far. I don't know that it means anything, but I think universally what we're seeing here is that the story in the Philly Voice may have been. uh, framed in a certain way that may have been anti-Carson Wentz, but from where I sit anyway, BLG, there are some slivers and shades of truth in the story, and I think those are the things that we we really shouldn't gloss over. But one of the one of the people that had something to say was last year's offensive coordinator Frank Reich, and you mentioned the quote that he said earlier today. This guy talking about Carson Wentz has st- so much stinking juice, which is just which is just the best quote we've heard about Carson Wentz so far. But just uh, now that a few days have gone by, any additional thoughts on on the Philly Voice article and and Carson Wentz? Yeah, I do, actually. Just thinking about things more, uh, starting with that Frank Reich quote, I think one thing that might be important to note here is that rereading the story and kind of processing it more and, you know, talking to people more, it sounds like Carson was almost a little bit different last year, this past season, 2018. So... Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know even if if Frank Reich necessarily has the best evaluation, you know, of what happened this past year. Not that I'm saying anything he said is is false. I'm just saying I think that might be something we we might be overlooking. Just how hard it was on Carson in 2018 to, you know, have this amazing season in 2017, be like the MVP of the league, and all of a sudden you're like chopped liver because everyone loves Nick Foles and you're kind of an afterthought. And I guess it, for us on the outside looking in, it's really easy to kind of just bypass that and be like, you know, oh, that doesn't really matter. It's not a factor. But then it's another whole thing to to be Carson Wentz and to feel that. And I think that's well, BLG. Can, can I'm sorry, I want to interrupt you. In, that's yeah. why I made that's why I made such a big stink about the shrine 
the yeah. Nick Foles shrine. And I got I got some heat online about that because I tweeted out how I thought the shrine was ridiculous and how if I was Carson Wentz, I that would have rubbed me the wrong way. Sure. And I did hear from a I did hear from a couple of people who who are who know Carson Wentz a little bit, who are familiar with the you know people around the league, you know who, who people would know, who were telling me I wasn't wrong, you know. Yeah. And I know Chris Long tweeted out a response of the of the the white guy doing the slow blink, and that got a million <laughs> likes. And you know I basically had to jump off Twitter for about twelve hours, but. I think that there was something to that. That's why I. That's why it rubbed me the wrong way. Because if I was Carson Wentz, for exactly the reasons that you just mentioned, it's it, it would have made me. It, it would have rubbed me the wrong way because this that last year was supposed to be Carson's year to do it, and it really not through because it's Nick Foles' fault, but it got taken away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just think about how much easier Nick Foles has it than Carson Wentz in the sense of. Like if Nick Foles fails, there's it's like okay, so what? He's the backup. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no, no expectations. Like, oh, these columns. He, you know, Nick Foles is a total failure. Like no, I guess that's not like that's part of what being the backup quarterback like is the luxury that comes with that. It's always you know the cliche is that they're the most popular like player on the team or whatever <laughs> you know because like there's yeah. no pressure with them. And with Carson, it's the exact opposite. You know, the Eagles traded up a lot of draft capital to get to number two to get this guy from the jump there have always been expectations on this guy like well he better be worth it you know what i mean so like that pressure has always been on him and now it's even more because and he even admitted to it he admitted to it in the locker room after the season about how you know nick Foles having the success he did kind of puts even more pressure on carson and it's because now he has to (laughs) like emerge from that shadow of nick Foles and kind of you know (laughs) separate himself and I just think that's tough. And maybe some of what was in that story. And by the way, uh, as I said on the, the Monday podcast, I know Joe. Uh, he, he's not making that stuff up. I, I would hope that people can realize, like, just because it's anonymous sources. And I think people don't really understand how that works. And maybe that's just because, you know, they're not. I'm not saying I'm some journalism expert. I'm not. Like, I didn't go to school for that. That's not my. I'm not trying to say stand up here on the platform and say, I know more than you. But I'm just saying. When you're when people are saying that like anonymous sources are just like fake or they're not legit, like that's right, just no. not how it works. Like it's I just no. see, see I see a lot of people who are like name your sources. It doesn't work that way, guys. Like it, no. <laughs> no one's no. ever going to say I, anything if that's going to be the process. So listen, I have I, I have a degree in journalism. Yeah. My, you know my full time you my full time job is as a journalist. So yeah, <laughs> you're one hundred percent correct. It's just come on, like that's not that's not what we need to be worrying about here. So. Um, it's just, it's not fake. It's not, I'm sorry. Like it's not, Joe did not make stuff up. Like he didn't. Now you can talk about framing and perspective. And I, as I said on the Monday podcast, I think there were some issues in that regard in the framing and the, and just the overall perspective on this. And that brings me to my point here, John. And I kind of want to ask you like, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you think this story actually matters with 10 being like the most important and one not at all? I want to hear your opinion on it. At this point, it's a it's a like a three for me. Yeah, because that's the I exact feel number like I said. I, okay, good. I, I just feel like it could. I feel like it could grow into a bigger story if if it if there aren't change. You know, if Carson Wentz doesn't um, hear some of this stuff and 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 you know take 
to get a you know increase maturity. You know, I think one of the things you said on the podcast, which I thought was really brilliant, was the the maturity gap between Wentz and Foles right now is is pretty big. But that's even saying Carson Wentz is a pretty mature guy for right. for a quarterback his age and of his experience. It's one of his. That's one of the things that made him so attractive coming out of college. It's one of the reasons the Eagles traded up to get him is because he he does have his feet on the ground. You know, but I do think that last year messed things up for him and he came into this year wanting to do too much I think he he wanted to get back so badly that he tried to force the issue on the field and off the field and I think that a change in the offensive coaching staff maybe changed the way some in the locker room perceived him whereas you know not being there I can't say for sure but Frank Reich and and Doug Peterson were were quarterbacks in their career. They've had they've had long careers in the NFL, so they're familiar and probably somewhat comfortable with a young quarterback having a strong opinion about what plays they should run and what they should do. The stuff that bothered me, if it is true, is if Carson Wentz had come in and said, "I don't want to play. I'm not running any of that Nick Foles stuff," mm-hmm. because you got to do what's best for the team. And if the Nick Foles stuff works, and if it's stuff that Doug Peterson wants to run, Carson Wentz should be mature enough to run it whether that's true or not I don't know if that's if that's the case I would hope that that is something that changes with Carson if you know if if that kind of an attitude festers and maintains itself then yeah you could be you could see the situation devolve and grow from a three to a six or a seven but we are a long way from that because we know that Carson Wentz is a young Christian kid who I think wants to do right. I think that he is very well respected in the locker room. He's got immense talent. And I hope that this year is a was part of the learning process that a young quarterback goes through. So, yeah, I'm not stressing big about this. I think it does just call to everyone's attention the fact that he is not perfect. And maybe everybody has to be okay with the fact that Carson Wentz is not perfect and that maybe he is like other big-time quarterbacks that we have seen in this league that have had success. I want to read you this tweet from Eagles Blog, who uh, is Derek Sarley of the former www.eaglesblog.com, a great Eagles blog that used to exist in the world. And this is what he tweeted the other day. He said, look. I don't want Wentz to be the humble guy who listens to coaches and wins by hitting on some moonshot jump balls. I want him to become death, the destroyer of worlds, (laughs) athletic Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, but he studies a bit more. That's all I want. So I think that was kind of a good way to put it. Um, It's almost like now I said it on the Monday podcast where I kind of hope Carson like learns from this a little bit. And I almost wondered if I regret saying that because I think like, in some ways, I don't think he needs to change at all. I just think he needs to be himself and needs to like worry about mm-hmm. being himself and not worrying about stepping out of Nick Foles' shadow or you know being some other guy. Like he just needs to be the best Carson Wentz he can be. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think that will lead to success for the Eagles ultimately. Now, I do think there is some. I feel like there has to be some level of reflection with this report that you kind of just you know you you see this. I mean, he's obviously seen it. And he, you, maybe you kind of just ask yourself like, okay, am I doing things the best way? Like, am I approaching people the best way? Can there, can there be some, can I be doing something better? I think he should be asking himself questions, I guess is what he should be doing. And maybe the answer to those questions is no, and he doesn't need to change. I don't know. That's a process for him to kind of go through. But I just think overall, you know, none of this really changes anything in my opinion. It just doesn't like the, 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 the fact of the matter is that the pressure was always going to be on Carson in 2019. It's a huge season for him. And that was going to be 
the case, even if there was a report that came out this past Monday that said Carson Wentz was the most beloved teammate in the history of the universe. You know what I mean? Like that wouldn't, <laughs> that wouldn't change anything either way. If he was loved, if he was hated, yeah. it doesn't really change a whole lot. Like he needs to have a really big season. And that's the bottom line. That is like that's what it all comes down to. It is Hugh is so imperative that he has a big season. And even then, I mean, like the Eagles might just commit to him this offseason, really. They could give him a long term contract extension tomorrow. And this podcast would already be outdated in that sense. Like it could happen. He's eligible now. And I think they're like we all know they're gonna commit to him. Like they're not going to commit to Nick Foles. So like I just don't see how it really changes a lot. I guess it's something we'll always be monitoring, something we will always have in the back of our minds. Um, More so, of course, if he isn't playing well and the team is struggling, that's certainly going to be a focus. But if he wins and he's doing great, it's just probably not going to be something we even talk about. I mean, look back at the Jim Schwartz report from, um, you know, right before week one of the 2017 season. I mean, like, how long did that last? <laughs> you know, they were winning games. No one was even thinking about it. And by the way, that wasn't all made up either. There was truth in that. And, you know, over time, I don't, you know, I've sensed that the Doug Jim relationship isn't like, you know, it's not all kumbaya. But guess what? You know, it doesn't really, it, I don't really think it really matters a ton because they've certainly won a lot of games and they've made it work enough to the point where they've been able to do that. So I just think when we talk about dysfunction, and again, I, I brought it up on Monday, but I just want to kind of re stress it here you look at the seth wickersham report about the patriots last year like being a total mess and i i don't think it was false like i don't think he made that stuff up i think it's true i think brady you know and belichick they probably hate each other probably can't stand each other especially at this point but guess what it doesn't matter and they're probably going to win another super bowl or at the very least they're in another one so that's just kind of the reality of it all yeah, and as I wrote this week, Aaron Rodgers have had, has had some of his teammates come out and say things, some very negative really things bad about his things. leadership ability. And they put their name really to bad it. Really bad things. Yeah, Jermichael Finley, for one, really ripped into him. And, you know, we know the Richard Sherman, Russell Wilson beef has been going on for quite a while. And how much of that is Richard? How much of that is Russell? Who knows? But, you know, there are other people who have issues with, with Russell Wilson on that team. And the Seahawks just have a toxic locker room anyway. So Or they had one, a toxic locker room anyway. But, you know, win. I mean, this is... And they still win. And, you know, it's it's amazing that, you know, winning really oftentimes drives the narrative, too. Nobody was complaining about Carson Wentz and his personality when he was the MVP of the league. And I, I, I really want to stress this again, BLG. Carson Wentz was the MVP of the National Football League last year before he got hurt. He was so good. And I don't think people remember how good he was how important he was and now he comes back in the following year and the guy who was behind him all year is now the philadelphia legend who performed a miracle and won a super bowl and then came back in the postseason this year and then when carson came in and they he couldn't he just couldn't magically get the team back to the heights that they were the year before and you wonder when some of the quotes were taken. Was it during the downtime, during the New Orleans game, right after the Dallas game? Was it during the time of the season when it seemed like all hope was lost? Or was it towards the end of the season when the team was having success with Nick Foles? We don't really know when the quotes were taken, when all the quotes were, were were gotten. And I think that's part of it. You also have, you know, not knowing the sources. You know, you don't know which players 
are speaking just from the fact that they're not getting the ball as much as they would like mm-hmm. or, or whatever it happens to be, BLG. We, we just don't – there's so many things here that we don't know, but I think the bottom line is the Eagles are going to commit to Carson Wentz, whether it's with an actual contract this offseason or not. They've, they've made it clear he's their franchise quarterback, and I, I think it will do – the locker room good for Nick Foles and Carson Wentz to not have to share it yes. anymore. I love Nick Foles, but I, I think that I think that's going to be a huge weight. I it reminds me so much of the Joe Montana Steve, the Joe Montana Steve Young thing um, when when Steve Young was backing up Joe Montana and everyone knew that Steve Young should be a starter. That if he was a starter, he'd be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And obviously, Nick Foles is not as good as Steve Young, but you when you have two top-rate quarterbacks, two quarterbacks who should be starting playing on the same team and one has to be subservient to the other, even if they are the nicest guys in the world and get along great on the surface, there's going to be a little bit of jealousy there or there's going to be a little bit of envy. There's going to be a little bit of fighting for the spotlight, a little bit of looking over the shoulder, you know? And I think I think until these two guys are in separate locker rooms, it's going to continue to be that way. Yeah, I think that's a big reason why... Um, you you can have hope that this kind of story goes away or isn't a big issue next year because Nick Foles will be gone and Carson it'll be his team again and even if there are people that exist that you know kind of if there's some kind of faction or something you know that wanted to be keep Foles around I mean tough tough like he's gone sorry like Carson is yeah. a quarterback you that's yeah. the world you have to live in now um so and that's i think that's what it's going to be and that's funny you say that like you, that's the world you have to live in now like you're you also have to eat your lima beans <laughs> you get to have carson wentz yeah, as like your franchise quarterback right yeah <laughs> i mean it's just and we also look at his season this year and, and the numbers for carson wentz's season did, did, did people know that he had five straight games with a passer rating over 100 this year that he had a passer rating over 107 of his 11 starts and i know pa- i know passer rating is not the the end all be yeah. all for quarterback numbers. In fact, it's it's a largely it, it's some sometimes it's like it's poop. Yeah, it doesn't like account for fumbles, which is a big issue, right. especially when you talk about big Carson. Issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he was legitimately bad in one game. He was kind of so so in a few others, and in the rest, he was very good. He just wasn't as dynamic this season as he was last year, and that, of course, is the missing ingredient. And the hope is that with a full off season of training, with OTAs, uh, with training camp, that that he'll be back. And I think. I, for for people to understand what it was like to get dumped into the season like this, I work a shift in 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 my line of work. Uh, we have you know obviously I work for a radio station full time, and we have different you know morning shift and an afternoon shift. And I used to work a shift where I worked five a.m. to one p.m. And when you start off the day in in the seat, you can kind of slowly get the day going. You can kind of plan ahead. The, the, the news cycle it unfolds itself slowly, BLG, and so you can kind of see what's coming. When the, the shift I work now is like a noon to eight shift, and I get dropped yeah. right into the middle of the news day. And sometimes, especially nowadays, the news gets gets thrown at you like a fire hose. And so there's just, there, as soon as I get in the chair, there's all this stuff coming at me, and it takes a good hour to kind of get your bearings. And to me, when I think of Carson Wentz getting thrown into the 2018 season, that's what I envision. I envision him getting just thrown into the middle of the season, really really without any of the prep work, without him being able to go through a normal offseason, having to rehab during the offseason. Also, knowing that you now have this mental thing where, you know, People are expecting you to win another Super Bowl. This is this is where you have to meet. You have to meet this MVP level of play and get your team back to another Super Bowl. 
when you didn't have a, a full off season and you're probably still not 100% healthy and then late in the season you fracture your back somehow? I, I think people, I just want people to take all of that into consideration when they think about Carson Wentz. Also, you know, he's dealing with this back injury. Isn't that possible that that's affecting his mood too? I mean, he's a, he's a back fracture. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he's coming off this long season of rehab. I would, and in addition to all the stuff we talked about with Foles and all that, like maybe he just physically, you know, wasn't feeling any good, which is impacting how he felt emotionally and kind of maybe made yeah. him more callous or, or controlling or whatever to that come off that way in the locker room and, and around the team. So I think that's something to consider as well. And yeah, I mean, I just, I, I just really believe there's every reason to believe that the arrow is still very much pointing up on Carson Wentz and his career and having this full off season of being able to get healthy. And by the way, that's kind of a big report that we haven't really been talking about as much that Adam Schefter over the weekend said that Carson Wentz is going to be ready for the spring workouts, which isn't really great. surprising. I mean, that follows the timeline because Doug had said, you know, the back injury should take about three months to recover from, and that was back in December. So, in April, the, or the workouts begin in April. So, it's not surprising, but it's still good to hear. Nonetheless, you know, there's no kind of setback. Right. Everything's going as planned. It's good to hear. And to me, that's exciting because Carson's going to get in there. He's going to be able to work on his game or, you know, well, you're not working you know, on the field right away in those workouts. You're working out in the locker room. But he's going to be able to, you know, strength train and do agilities and all of that and eventually ramp his way up. As you just said about, you know, with your news cycle there, uh, he's just going to be able to mm-hmm. ramp his way up into the season. And that'll be really nice. I think to have, and, and to not have to deal with the whole off season of being asked about his rehab or a whole off season of being asked about like, what's like the dynamic with you and Nick Foles. Like it's all just focusing on 2019, which is a huge season for him. Like he can just spend all the time focusing on that now and I think that will be very good for him. No doubt about it. Uh, last thing about the quarterback situation when we're talking about Nick Foles. Uh, saw a report uh, this week, BLG, that po- there's a potential scenario in which the Eagles might be able to trade Nick Foles without having to give him the franchise tag. Can you kind of unpack that? Yeah, I think we've kind of hinted at this too. It just it all hinges on Foles and the Eagles working together, which I don't think it's impossible. Because I think it's <clears throat> Nick Foles doesn't necessarily owe the Eagles anything, but I mean they, you know, they they ultimately drafted him. They took another chance on him. Um, you know, there might be some kind of loyalty there in some respect, and you know they they didn't have to adjust his contract last last off season, By the way, like no one was making them. You know, they yeah. they were not obligated to do that. Um, they did well, and they just gave him a million dollars for for even though yeah. he fell just short of an incentive. So. so yeah. I mean, you know, there's some reason to believe that. Now, in general, I think, you know, he doesn't owe the team anything. But I'm just saying there's some reason to believe that could be possible where the team and him basically work together. And it's complicated. So I don't think it's the likely option because you have to – it's just always complicated when you're trying to, to kind of do that thing where you get the player involved because then, you know, it's them having to be okay with the destination – and then both teams need to agree to trade compensation. Then that player also probably needs to agree on a contract extension with the new team. I mean, and it happens. We saw it last year, actually, with Alex Smith. Now, not the same kind of situation exactly, but, you know, it, I'm saying it happens. So it's not impossible. It's not unprecedented. Yeah. But I just, 
you know, I don't think it's the most likely thing, but I think it, it's it exists as somewhat of a chance. And honestly, it would be great. <laughs> that's like that's the best situation for yeah. the Eagles. They they get a they get some kind of immediate compensation for Nick Foles instead of having to wait for that um, compensatory pick, which would be a third rounder at best in twenty twenty. If he just walks, and Foles would get to go where he wants to go, assuming you know he's involved in the process, mm-hmm. and it would just it would work out well for everyone. So. Um, certainly hope that's what happens, not counting on that to happen. And one thing I want to stress, I don't think it's kind of been stressed enough is that, or at least I didn't think about it this way at first with the Eagles. Um, they're, they're going to pick up his option. Like we know that's going to happen because at the, at, <clears throat> cause they're figuring that, you know, Nick Foles is going to pay back that 2 million to opt out of it. So if they don't yeah. pick up the option, they're not getting two million. You know what I'm saying there? Like by picking yeah, up the yeah, option, yeah, they're yeah. ensuring themselves they're getting that two million. And then in the so you can say like, okay, but then what if he doesn't pay the two million? Well, well, then they have a contract they can trade him on. So like either way, yeah, you right. know, they're making that you win win. So yeah, so they're definitely going to pick it up. I just want to kind of prepare people for that because I feel like there's going to kind of be like a reaction <laughs> at when they pick up that option. Yeah. some people like not paying attention yeah. will be like, oh my god, they picked up his option. They're going to keep him. They're going to bench full or they're going to trade yeah. Wentz. Like no, that's not what's happening. Like they're going to pick up the option because it makes <laughs> sense to do it. Um, because getting $2 million back is better than getting no million dollars back. So uh, that's that's coming up in, a, I think, around like February 11th or 10th or 12th or something like that. That's like the deadline okay. to do that by. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Again, I don't I just don't think he gets traded. But man, um, put, you know, another um, uh, another thing working in Howie Roseman's favor. Uh, if he can get that deal done, that would be pretty good. Yeah, another feather in his yes, cap. Although I, it for. reminds yeah. me, I I could I could tell like, you were groping uh, for that for that axiom. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the, the Kirk Cousins situation with Washington last year because they were in a similar boat. I think they wanted to try and trade him, but like you said, it requires the two parties working together. And I, Kirk Cousins had no desire yeah. whatsoever to help the Redskins out last year, so. Um, he just went the free agent route and obviously got himself a big deal. Ultimately, I agree. I think that's what Nick will do because that probably is the best for him. However, you never know. They might be able to to make something happen, and it would be great to get something for him given how sought after he will probably be. Let's transition and talk about the running back situation here, BLG. As we go through the offseason, uh, we'll, we'll touch on the different uh, positions. I know that you're doing a position-by-position position rundown on BleedingGreenNation.com on what the Eagles could be doing this offseason to fill certain needs at different positions. And uh, one, of the, one of the positions I figured we'd talk about tonight is the running back spot because I think, to me, this is the area that they can – one of the areas they can most ably address in free agency – uh, I, I don't know that they're going to spend an early round pick on a running back uh, in the draft. It doesn't seem like a Howie thing to do to spend an early round pick or a New York Giants thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess. No, I, I don't think, you know, it seems as though they have some some needs in some other areas where the draft might work out a little bit better for them. But I think running back is a very important need for this team. We, we saw how it hurt the offense, especially in the postseason, when the Eagles offense really did not do a good job in the postseason. You know, we think about Nick Foles in the in the playoffs this year and that drive he led to win the game in Chicago. But outside of that, the Eagles offense was largely stagnant and they didn't have a running game to, to kind of work off of. And so what did the Eagles do at running back? How high a priority do you think this should be for the team this offseason, BLJ? I mean, it needs to be higher than it has in past years where they've kind of just been like, we don't need to do anything at this position. Like, it's just, it's gotten yeah. to the point where 
they they're they're pushing like the limit of running back doesn't matter at all. It's like okay, like you're conceptually like generally you're right, but in actuality like we can do better than what we're working with here. I mean, when Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood should not be getting twenty carries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and year. like Josh Adams is leading your team in rushing. I, I can't like uh. it's so crazy that that it was a thing that happened this year. I mean, he had five. 111 rushing yards and that was the eagle leading rusher like what's so sad it's just you know you and no disrespect to josh adams i'm just saying like that's just not the situation you want to be in i mean and just think about how far the eagles have fallen from like the days of like brian westbrook and Lashawn mccoy where you just knew you were going to have an absolute stud at running back and now it's just like they're they're stringing guys you know undrafted rookie free agents and and just Mm -hmm. like it's it's not good so they, they definitely need to kind of find some way to upgrade here it's not going to be a first round running back it's just it's just not going to happen i mean they haven't done it in 34 no, no, years yeah. they their reluctance to invest in running backs does this leads me to believe they're just you know they're not going to do that now i wouldn't i wouldn't mind seeing a day two pick be used on a running back or you know maybe like early fourth round or something you know like or <clears throat> their their fourth round pick something yeah. like that um although that's where they get donald Pumphrey, so not always the surefire solution <laughs> but they, they have to do something yeah they really have to like yeah. they can't just be like it doesn't matter like they, they have to do something just think how much like and I'm, they're not going to be able to get ezekiel elliott or running back like him but just think how much easier you know what he can do makes life on deck like it's such a big help for him and and conversely look how much Dak struggled without having zeke now i'm not saying you know you're becoming a run heavy offense all of a sudden because carson is here you're going to pass the ball but wouldn't it be nice to have someone who could just like help him out, especially if like, he's having a bad game at some point? Like, okay, Carson just doesn't have it today. Let's let's hand the ball off to you know someone who's really good and can kind of just take the pressure off of him. Or conversely, you know, just someone he can dump down to and can make plays. You know, getting yards after the catch. And who could who yeah. would you know think that's possible? So yeah, um, yeah, the Eagles have options now. It's not like the draft is loaded with backs that are necessarily ideal, although I, I really like the Alabama um, Josh Jacobs. If he felt the Eagles pick in the mm-hmm. second round, I would like that a lot. Seems like a guy who can kind of do it all. Might be the best running back in the draft, actually. So that would be nice. Yeah. But um, there's some free agent options, too. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Le'Veon Bell is obviously a guy who you know we were all talking about during the season. And I just I can't see him signing – or the Eagles signing him to a long-term deal – but I've been thinking, like, okay, what if some kind of weird Alshon Jeffrey 2017 situation happens where, like, we all thought huh. Jeffrey was going to get that huge contract, and he didn't. He got a one-year deal. Like, that yeah. came out of nowhere. I was like, what? This doesn't make any sense. So, like, maybe you can kind of get him for one year um, at a higher cap number than expected. I'm, I don't know if that's super realistic. I'm just saying, like, that's kind of in the realm of possibility, I think. I mean, the, the big name we're all going to be talking about here, and, and it already has come up on – BGN is Kareem Hunt because like if you're just talking like put the off field issues aside just for a second you can't do that obviously in reality I'm just saying for the sake of this conversation like from what everything Kareem Hunt could do on the field it just makes so much sense like he he can help them in the passing game he's a dynamic runner runner um, I think pass protection like you can count him in there like he checks all the boxes from that sense and it would just be like such an easy solution to an Eagles backfield that has sorely lacked talent. Now, with all that said, I mean, the, the off-field issues are yeah. a pretty big deal. 
I mean, they're a deal breaker kind of deal. So I'm not going. They to, are. They're a deal breaker for yeah, me. Then that's fine. Yeah. I'm not going to be out here campaigning, yeah. campaigning for Kareem. I'm just not. I'm, that's not. That's not my thing. That's not my angle here. But I'm just saying it's something <laughs> they might consider. Like it, it really is. Just we heard that rumor. I mean, you wrote about that, John. I think um, <clears throat> back in December there was kind of that rumor that the Eagles might be one of the teams interested in him. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I'm kind of just going to leave that there for now. And then you have options like uh, Tevin Coleman, who I, I'd certainly love to have. I don't know if the price makes sense for him or kind of maybe like TJ Yeldon. Just someone who can, you know, someone who's actually good. How about that? Someone who's actually really who's actually <laughs> a good running back. Like the Eagles, just they haven't had that. I mean, you're trying to string things together again with Wendell Smallwood, who, look, Wendell Smallwood can be your third or fourth running back. That's fine. But if you have anything more than that, you're just screwed. And Josh Adams, I don't even know if he makes the team next year. I really don't. Like, no, I don't, I don't think it's a guarantee. He, he disappeared. Yeah. They gave him one carry in the playoffs. And he's not really a factor at all as a pass catcher. And I don't really, I mean, maybe he gets better than that or, and as a pass protector. I mean, I'd like to see it. That'd be great. But I'm not counting on that to happen. And I think Corey Clement will be back next year. I just, because the organization, they were so high on him. Like, the team, from what was being said inside the team, like they were very high on Corey heading into 2018. So a weird, disappointing season for him. I think he'll be back. Darren Sproles, we don't know for sure. It's not just, you know, obviously what the Eagles want to do with him because they might want him back and maybe he doesn't want to play. I don't know. Uh, So that's kind of a wild card. And then Jay Ajayi, um, I just, I don't think he's going to be back unless somehow his market is just totally not there in free agency. And like he has to take a one year prove it deal because that's all that's there for him. But even then, I mean, like it's just tough to feel great about that. You know, he's coming off this ACL tear. Um, so I would the the point of all this being like I would I'd hope the Eagles add some kind of running back you feel good about this offseason. Not just one who are like, eh, maybe this will work out, but someone who'll be like, Oh no, I actually feel good about this. Yeah, Tevin Coleman would, I think, be, I think he's the most talented running back who would be available outside of Kareem Hunt. But, you know, there are options like Mark Ingram, who, you know, oh, he's not coming here. mostly a runner. He's a fraudulent. Not coming here. Okay. Ski mask. Okay. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I forgot. All right. Well, he crossed off any Saints uh, potential free agents uh, off the list. Uh, no, TJ Yeldon's a name that's interesting because he is so good uh, as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, Although I got to say, you know, I, I do want somebody that is a good runner. You know, I, I think we've we've got a lot of pass catchers on the team. It would be good to have somebody who could do both. But I would like to have, I think it would be better for the team to have somebody who you could hand the ball off to 15, 20 times and, and know you're going to get some some reasonable production. Latavius Murray uh, is going to be a free agent as well. Uh, Adrian Peterson, BLG. <laughs> Rushed for over a thousand yards this year, seven touchdowns. The only free agent over th- over a thousand yards at the running back position. But a, a guy who I think is is kind of interesting only because he's so young is Peyton Barber, mm. who actually had the second most rushing yards last year of any free agent, eight hundred seventy one yards, five touchdowns, and he's just twenty five years old. That to me seems like a move where you're looking at a guy who still has some upside, probably still has the the prime of his career in front of him over the next uh, two three years or so. If you're going to sign a free agent, um, you know, again, I'm I don't know how good Peyton Barber is catching balls out of the backfield or picking up the blitz. That, that's something I'd have to dig into a little bit. But uh, when you, if you're looking for a guy who can who can just run the football and who's on the younger side, Barber's interesting to me. Um. Do I'm, I'm trying to think back to his game against the Eagles in week two. 
I, I it almost feels like he's like a generic running back to me if I if I'm remembering um, correctly here. What do you have against the Eagles? He was oh yeah, he had a terrible game against the Eagles. He was he had 16 carries for 22 yards. Um, I don't know. I guess yeah. I didn't really watch the Bucks a ton this year. He averaged 3.7 yards per carry in 2000. That's not great. Yeah, he was at 3.9 in 2017. So, I don't know. I guess it doesn't do he, – he wouldn't fit the bill of what I said earlier, of someone like adding someone who like I would feel good about. Like adding Peyton Barber would yeah. be like another like, okay, like this is probably fine, but like I, I want to feel good about something they do at running back. Just make me feel good about something that they do. <laughs> like that's that's my goal, I guess, because it's, it's been a long time coming, as we've talked about with me trying to fix the yeah. running back spot. So that's, that's all I'm hoping. Oh, I know. You've been you've been wanting that guy for a long just give me time. The, it's BLG. not that hard. Absolutely. Just give me the guy. Come on. Yeah. Make it happen. Well, and it, we want to make things easier on Carson Wentz, and this is something you were talking about as early as 2016 in his rookie season. Like you said, make it so that he doesn't feel like he has to play hero ball yeah. all the time, where he can where he can hand the ball off and, and have a few drives where he doesn't have to do everything. Would be he nice. He doesn't have to be Mr. Everything. It would be a really nice thing. And that was one of the reasons that the team was so good in 2017 is because they were so balanced. We remember it being Carson Wentz. But the reason that 2017 offense was so balanced is because they had three solid running backs that were all churning out big yards or making big plays on the ground, 70, 80 yard plays on the ground. Garrett Blunt, Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement all that time were, were, were doing that for, for Carson Wentz and then later for Nick. And in the Super That's Bowl, especially, huge. like Ajayi had a big game, oh, yeah. Blunt had a big game, and then Corey had a big game. He became, yep. what, the first or the yep. second rookie ever to have 100 receiving yards as a running back in the Super Bowl? Like, that was huge. So, yeah, I would love to see them do something that would make us all feel better at that position. I would BLG before we look at get get some early thoughts on the Super Bowl between uh, the Rams uh, and the uh, the Patriots and and look at last week's uh, championship games. We got to talk about the Saints fans. We we've got to talk about what's been going on in New Orleans here this week because obviously you know we were, we all saw what happened last week in the NFC Championship game uh, with the Saints getting hosed on a non pass interference call just uh, just under the two minute warning uh, when they were driving for the go ahead field goal. Um, obviously if they get the pass interference call, they get a first down, they can run out the clock and kick a game winning field goal as time expires. And that's the end of the ball game. But of course we all know that's not what happened. The call wasn't made. New Orleans kicks the field goal and they go ahead. They're up by three under two minutes and they let the Rams go down the field and kick a game tying field goal. Then the saints have the ball first in overtime and they could end the game by doing what the Patriots did in the AFC championship game by going down and scoring a touchdown. But, uh, Drew Brees gets hit. Throws an interception. The Rams go down, kick a game-winning field goal. They're going to the Super Bowl. So right now, New Orleans fans are not taking this well, BLG. We've written about it for BleedingGreenNation.com. But listen to all this stuff that's going on in New Orleans right now. They're planning to throw a Super Bowl parade oh my God. for the Saints. So sad. Even, even though they lost. Numerous people are boycotting the Super Bowl, including Harry Connick Jr. There's going to be an event called the Boycott Bowl. <laughs> which is a music festival <laughs> that is set to run at the same time as the Super Bowl. It already has more than 9,000 RSVPs oh on Facebook. Democratic Louisiana Congressman Cedric Richmond wants to bring NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell down to Capitol Hill during a government shutdown, mind you, <laughs> to discuss the league's botched non-pass interference call in the NFC Championship game. He said in a statement, quote, I have since spoken with colleagues on the Judiciary Antitrust Subcommittee about inviting NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell to answer some important questions about the unfair call against the Saints, a call that he has the jurisdiction to overturn. 
I mean, they they want, and then that goes on. There there are other things. the The Rams and the Patriots um, are going to be welcomed into into Atlanta with billboards that say the Saints got robbed and NFL blew it. A Louisiana car dealership owner named Matt Bowers has paid for ten billboards across Atlanta to be put up through February third. And then two New Orleans Saints season ticket holders have asked a judge to reverse the result of the NFC Championship game. Uh, and order Roger Goodell to do a do-over. They want Goodell to implement the league's extraordinarily unfair acts clause, which would at least allow the game to be picked up from that spot or to redo the game in its entirety. The court hearing is not set until Monday, which is six days before the Super Bowl. BLG, I ask you, is this the biggest collection of crybabies you have ever seen in your entire life? I don't know if it is. I still think the Vikings from last year, they really take the cake there. Really? Oh, boy. Okay. We're going to have a disagreement. This is fun. Just because they were so – there was no reason for them to be bitter at a certain point in the sense of – I mean, they're bitter because they could have played the home Super Bowl or whatever, but they still clearly got their butts kicked. It wasn't like they got screwed on a bad call. There was no – there's nothing like that. The only thing they were bitter about – was apparently, at least in their words, was how fans were treated. But that's so stupid because it's like, yeah, that's the only reason you're mad about all this. Like, not because you got embarrassed in the NFC Championship game before you could have played the home Super Bowl. Like, they wouldn't admit that part. They were just like, oh, we're we're mad because the fans were mistreated. Like, shut up. Like, they, it was just so weak, too. And they, they took it so far. Like, they're, you know, they're going to falsely imprison, imprison Eagles fans who are going to you know, like they're so that what they were planning to do was, you know, have these Uber drivers take Eagles fans to like wrong locations, which is illegal. They can't do that, by the way. Right. <laughs> they're going to break the law. <laughs> um, so that was stupid. Uh, I really felt it the most, I think, when I was at Super Bowl media night and I was just, you know, waiting for to, you know, interview some of the Eagles coaches and players and whatever. And, you know, it's all the Vikings fans who were booing. And it was just like, you guys are so weak. Like, no one cares about you. Like, congrats. Like, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish here by <laughs> booing on media night. It was just, it was such like a, a weak display of bitterness. And uh, it was just so lame to me. Now, I will say, Saints fans, it's close. It's it's The gap is not big because Saints <laughs> fans, while they have way more reason to be bitter, I mean that was a terrible missed call. It was horrible, like bad missed call. It's it's missed calls really because it was helmet to helmet and it was a pass interference and it was so obvious. Like he he just decked him. He decked him before the ball got there. I was like screaming about it when I was watching it live. I was like I was like because it's just it was such a bad call. Like it made me react. It didn't even matter who was playing the game. I was like that's just a terrible call. Like I hated it because it was it was so obvious and it was kind of makes you question your own sanity because it's like, am I the only one seeing this? This is terrible. But as you said, the Saints still had like every chance to go win in that game. So, and and that's part of what's bothering me about why they're so bitter about all this and how they want to restart the game. Like, no, like you had a chance to win that game still and you blew it. And by the way, for the people who are going to be like, oh, well, BLG, you got mad at the rest of the Cowboys game. Well, yeah, that's entirely different. Because, and you know why? And not just because it's the Eagles. Because the refs reviewed a play where they literally saw people on the ground and they weren't Cowboys. They were only Eagles. And they said there was no way to tell the Eagles had that ball. Like, yeah. that's not the same thing here. This was a this was a penalty, which isn't reviewable under the current rules. And they missed it. And that sucks. But, like, that's the rule. You can't review it. It's just, like, that's how it is. Like, that's it sucks. But, I mean, the Eagles game, like, we literally saw them 
jump on it and review it. And somehow they, they told us what we were seeing on review wasn't true. Like that's infinitely right. more frustrating. And it was the right. first play of the game. So it just like set the whole tone of the game in a bad way. And, you know, I still blame the Eagles too. I'm not saying the refs totally screwed them in the sense of like they still couldn't have won. But, you know, they, they were, their chances were severely hampered by that. And look, I'm not going on about it still. Right. I mean, I'm not like, no, oh, you haven't filed a lawsuit that game. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's just it's being <laughs> taken to like such pathetic levels. And the, the 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 parade idea is just that's just the saddest thing I've ever heard. That is so sad. I mean, it's very it really New Orleans. Sad. Yeah, it's very New Orleans. And I kind of get it in that sense of like, they'll probably just, you know, have a parade for anything because why not? You know, it's just a funeral dirge down there. Yeah. But, but like just the concept is so sad. Like, let's celebrate the Saints anyway. Like, that's so sad. Stop. Like, you're just drawing so much embarrassment to yourself. So, all right, let's hear why you think the Saints are, are more pathetic. Well, I mean, I you just you, you have a Democratic congressman who wants to bring Roger Goodell down to Capitol Hill <laughs> during a government shutdown to investigate why they won't restart the game. You've got. You've got people holding a, a literal music concert in place of the Super Bowl that they're throwing together at the last minute so people so people can boycott the Super Bowl. You've got a lawsuit, a lawsuit going forward where people want Roger Goodell. They really think that there's a chance. I don't maybe they don't think there's a chance, but they're at least spending money and going yeah. through the process of filing a lawsuit, hiring lawyers, hiring counsel. To, to file a lawsuit to get Roger Goodell to restart the game, which everyone knows is not going to happen. And for whatever reason, the New Orleans Saints really have become incredible poor sports over these over the last couple of years with regards to the Eagles. We 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 know you know what what's what the Saints were doing, you know, with the with the ski masks and and all that nonsense, being talking trash about the Eagles last year. And you know, I get it. Saints fans are feel especially burned because they got they got knocked out of the playoffs last year on the Minneapolis miracle, and now you have the referees taking this. The, the, quote-unquote, taking this game away. But the level at which these guys are moaning and complaining to me is far greater than the Vikings. You're right. The, the Saints fans have more of a reason to be upset than Vikings fans yeah. do. But I think Saints fans have gone to a level of extremity here, which is heretofore unprecedented in sports fandom that I can remember. But I do have to ask myself, BLG, yeah. If this had happened to Eagles fans, <laughs> would would we be doing the same thing? Would there be a couple of chuckleheads in in Westchester filing a lawsuit in, in Chester County Court trying to get Roger Goodell to overturn the game? Would would, would there be some some random Democratic uh, congressman or Republican congressman from Pennsylvania trying to get uh, Roger Goodell into um, in, into uh, Capitol Hill to to question him about uh, what what happened with the game, why the refs blew the call? I can't say that we wouldn't, you know, it just, it, it's very possible uh, that we would have, but I still go back BLG to the 2008 NFC championship game where it was literally the last play of the Eagle season where Kevin Curtis basically got tackled as he's coming out of his break in, in the game against the Cardinals. And there was no foul call. Now I, I, it, the, the call at the end of the Saints game last Sunday was more egregious. There's no doubt about it. The, the, the one at the end of the Cardinals yeah. game was, was definitely not as blatant a call. But it still was pass interference. And Troy Aikman said it was pass interference on, on the broadcast. Anybody who could see could see that Kevin Curtis got semi-tackled as he was coming out of his break on that fourth, fourth and ten play. But the difference is that was the final chance for the Eagles. That was their last play. Even though the Saints were, were totally screwed by that non-call, they still kicked a go-ahead field goal. They still had a chance to stop 
the the Rams from marching down the field, and they still had the ball first in overtime, all chances to win the game, and they didn't take advantage of it. So that, to me, rings a little hollow, too, that this one call cost them the game. It really didn't. It was They could have sealed the game by getting the call, but it didn't cost them the game, and I think there's a difference there. There is, and part of... I want to separate like the team from the fans too. I think the team is acting like really like huge sore losers about that. Like Sean Payton is almost taking like no accountability, you know, for for losing. It was just like, it was just the rest of all. I couldn't have done anything more like such a loser. You got the ball first in overtime, man, like go win the game in spite of the refs. Um, Yeah. Right. So that's, that's one thing. And then about the, I mean, it's fair to wonder, you know, what would happen if, you know, the Eagles were in that situation. But one thing I'll say is that I think the Eagles fans are much tougher on their team in a good way, yeah. like in a much more yeah. like accountable way. I think there would be a lot of there'd be angry people about the refs and such, but people would also be pissed about what happened in that loss. They would be being like, why did Doug Peterson not run the ball on that one first down? On that like first the, down, the Saints yeah, had. right before yeah, like, it. Yeah. Like, I think Eagles fans are smart enough and certainly <clears throat> passionate and everything enough to rip their own team and be accountable in that way. So I, I do think that. I genuinely do think Eagles fans would generally be more more accountable with all that and hold the team accountable. I do believe that wholeheartedly. And a bigger point to all of this is we don't need to think about that, John, because the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And that's the luxury of winning the Super Bowl. You don't have to think about this bitterness. So that's my other angle to that. Last thing before we get out of here, BLG, um, we got the so we've got the Patriots back in the Super Bowl again, um, beating the the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, their third third Super Bowl in a row. Now they won't they won't be going for a three peat because of their loss last last year to the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl Fifty Two, uh, but they'll be going up against Sean McVay, your favorite person in the world, and the and the Rams in the Super Bowl should be a nice should be a good high scoring game. You wonder if it's going to beat the offensive theatrics we saw last year. Um, and that's just kind of the way the NFL is working nowadays. But obviously next week we'll do a we'll do a more in-depth Super Bowl preview. But um, as we sit here looking at the game now more than a week out, uh, any any early impressions you have about this game? Andy, why? Why, Andy? I mean, it's not like his fault <laughs> they lost exactly. But just he like – He did fine. Come yeah. on. Just like win one. Come on. Like – can you just please like I I knew I was gonna regret taking the Chiefs and picking them last week because I'm like <laughs> it's just gonna happen like, they're not they're gonna let me down I know they are and sure enough and that's a big difference I wanted to highlight by the way like going into the Super Bowl I always talk about how calm I was they were gonna win that game and it is so the exact opposite with Andy Reid it's like I'm so oh, yeah. nervous like I'm not even a Chiefs fan and I just felt so nervous for the Chiefs like Andy Reid makes me feel nervous. And again, it wasn't all his fault why they lost that game, or mostly not his fault why they why they lost that game. But still, come on, it's just like, is he ever going to win? He's one in five now, and then six NFC Championship games. I don't it's think so he sad. is. No. So yeah, it just feels. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Mahomes is is really young and really good, so you can't say never. But I mean, it just it just feels like it's never going to happen. It felt like if it was going to happen, this was the year. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, as far as the NFC championship game goes, I mean, it's great that the Saints lost because they were being huge just jerks pretty much about, you know, the whole Eagle stuff and playing the dreams and nightmares after beating them. It's just it's just random. It's like we're not even rivals. 
like why do you hate us so much like i don't get it like what do we do to you like i don't yeah. Yeah. i don't understand why the saints hate the eagles so much it's just it's very bizarre it's like a very one-sided rivalry which is just like okay man like you don't like us great um uh, we're not yeah, really we don't care all, we, we don't really <laughs> care um so it was great to see them lose in that regard but you know me. I oh man, and oh by the way, I, I love the whole John Johnson thing about oh that him was great doing the, the Saints Chapa style dance thing because <laughs> you know I, I guess like Ron Darby or Rodney McLeod or whoever from Maryland there, um, he has he's friends on the team. I love that um, John Johnson. Get him on the Eagles someday, please, Howie, because that guy he's really good too. I remember from the, yeah. the Rams game uh, this year, he was actually really good in that game. But anyway, so I like that. But man, I can I can really be spared like the Sean McVay is a genius thing. Like I just that is really I hate that that uh, this is coming out of all that because he wasn't even good in that game. He hasn't even been that great in these playoff games. I know they've won, so maybe I'm just looking bitter. But like they deserve to lose that Saints game, and they they would have had it lost if that penalty wasn't blown. And he was such a coward once again. You know he has a chance to. To, to, to go for the touchdown there from what, like the one-yard line or whatever it was, and he kicks a field goal? Are you kidding me? Like that is so um, outcome over process in that in that situation. Like he looks good because, you know, <laughs> because things worked out, but it was, such the, it was such the wrong decision, and it was so spineless, and it was so – he was such a coward to, to kick it there, and I just – I hate that that's being rewarded. I really do, and – I hate that I'm in a spot now where I almost want to root for the Patriots. Now, keyword almost, because like I just don't want McVay getting all this credit. He doesn't deserve, in my opinion. I just think it's ridiculous. I think this whole hype machine, you know, for a while now, and the whole offseason of, you know, I've got to hire the guy, Sean McVay knows, like, it's so stupid to me. Yeah. Um, and I feel like throughout all of this, Doug Peterson is getting diminished. Like, I feel like he's not getting as much credit. Uh, so that's kind of just annoying to me. And I, I still think I'll probably ultimately end up rooting for the Rams, I guess, because, you know, come on, do we really want to see the Patriots win another one? No, but I think I want the game to be like three zero in favor of the Rams. I would just, I'd really <laughs> love that. Or like two zero, just a safety, yeah. no, no points at all <laughs> from, from the offense. And I could just be like, see, it was all Wade Phillips. It wasn't even Sean yeah. McVay. When I sit down in front of the TV, I will probably just viscerally start rooting for the Rams just because I'll have that reaction watching the Patriots. But there's a couple reasons to root for New England here. First is that if New England wins and Tom Brady gets his sixth Super Bowl title, I wonder if he doesn't retire at that point or if Bill Belichick doesn't retire at that point. It they set the record. Yeah, it certainly gets them one step closer, and I wouldn't mind seeing one or both of those guys out of the league, although I think Tom Brady's going to play until he's mummified in his yeah. you know 100s or whatever. But the other thing to think about here is I don't I kind of like the fact that the Eagles are one of the few teams to actually beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You know, mm. I, I don't know that I want the Rams to add their name to that list, especially yeah. because you're right. You know, Sean McVay will get all the credit in the world. And I also don't want Jared Goff to win a Super Bowl before Carson Wentz. You know, I, I don't it's I have nothing. He has against sucked, him. by the way, in the playoffs. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. how much credit he's getting. He's sucked like, like straight up sucked. Like I've seen takes like, oh, you know, Mahomes and Goff being in the playoffs like 
makes it harder on Carson Wentz. Like, what does that even mean? Like, Goff has sucked in the playoffs, so he gets more credit because he's sucking in the playoffs. Like, let me pull up his numbers right here because they are not good. They're very. Well, they've bad been running numbers. the ball way more in the play. They're not a. Pe- they, they haven't have. been passing the ball nearly as much. They've been running a ton. So he's. he's it's obviously just two games, but he's completed only fifty eight percent of his passes for one touchdown, Ooh. one interception, and a seventy nine point five pass rating. Are you kidding me? That sucks. Not good. He stinks. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I. I think golf is vastly overrated, and I think he got exposed. They. They miss Cooper Cup in that offense. Uh, but but that losing your slot receiver should not result in the kind of um, decrease in efficiency we've seen from their passing offense. And so I, I don't want Goff to win a, a Super Bowl before uh, Carson Wentz does. There's a few reasons. If you're an Eagles fan, when you sit down to watch the, the Super Bowl uh, next Sunday, there there's a couple reasons why you you should at least consider rooting for New England, although I think when we all get in front of the TV, we're just none of us are going to be able to actually do it. We'll find ourselves just in our minds and our hearts pulling for the Patriots to throw interceptions and for Bill Belichick to have that. Well, I guess you wouldn't be able to tell when he's unhappy or happy on the sideline, but just for Bill, (laughs) you just to know that inside Bill Belichick is miserable. That's, that's really what we all want. And to see, hopefully see Tom Brady yelling at his teammates or something like that. Um, That would obviously be a lot of fun too. But um, like I said, we'll get into the Super Bowl in depth a little bit more uh, on our preview show next week. Until then, BLG, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Just to follow up on your point there, like I guess it it does look better, right? If the Eagles are the only team to beat the Patriots in the last three Super Bowls, you know, like the Falcons yeah. lost, and the Eagles won, and then the Rams lost. So that is something I've been thinking about as well. But um, I don't know, man. Uh, off season kind of obviously it's getting we're kind of just in this slow point where we're kind of just waiting for the season to wrap up with the Super Bowl. I'm sure we'll hear some more kind of rumors. One thing we didn't talk about in the show, and we'll get into more in the future, is the um, that pass rush rumor, which I thought was interesting. Kind of Tony Pauline brought that up. Um, yeah, next week we'll do that for sure. Yeah, yeah, so maybe we'll hear some more on that. Just kind of interesting to hear that they might be going after a top pass rusher. And to me, it didn't sound like he was talking about Brandon Graham. But we'll see. Hmm. There's going to be plenty of offseason, of course, to be talking about all the free agent possibilities and trade rumors and what happens with Nick Foles. And hopefully no more Carson Wentz drama, please, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, so it'll be there'll be plenty of stuff to talk about. And we will be with you here on BGN Radio. So if you like the show and you appreciate it, which of course you do because you're listening to it, ratings, reviews, all on iTunes, please helps us out a lot. Five stars. Leave us a review. Again, it, it can be a sentence. Just type about what you like, what you don't like, anything. Um, so thanks, as always, for listening. And thank you, John, for, as always, for joining me. Absolutely. And uh, make sure to be catching uh, the Kiston Solak show, too. They've been down at the Senior Bowl, and they, they've got a podcast out uh, this week as well on what they've seen. And uh, they are going to be heavy into draft talk here uh, on the podcast over these uh, next few weeks and months leading up to the NFL draft. And, of course, we'll have you covered with the Super Bowl next week as well. But that'll do it for this edition of BGN Radio, episode number 34. Again, follow Brandon on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense. 